NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope ex-prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watching you them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield, mad skills, lottie dottie, Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the pod, and watch out for the kids, EBT is out here broadcasting, EBT is out here podcasting, question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them, question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them, Padres EBT podcast, Padres EBT podcast, Hi, this is Cal Quantrill, and you're listening to the East Village Times Podcast. Greetings, and welcome to the East Village Times Podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me as usual is Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? Um, not much, James. How about you? Uh, just trying to survive this uh, little bit of heat wave we're having in San Diego. I, I know people listening outside of the market don't like to hear us complain about the heat, but uh, it is pretty warm today. Yeah, I'm, I'm sweating a little bit, but... Uh... I'm not complaining too much. I'll be okay. No. Yeah. So is is all that sweat uh, from the Pablo Sandoval trade talk rumors that are that are hitting uh, Padres Twitterverse? Is, is that yeah. where is that I why mean, you're sweating? I, I didn't think I'd wake up today and sp- spend my morning talking about Pablo Sandoval, but I guess it's my fault for for going on Twitter and, and having that conversation. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> my thoughts are that the Padres should stay as far away from Pablo Sandoval as you could possibly stay away. I mean, he's already in Boston, so that's pretty far away, but yeah. now he's no longer in Boston, apparently, so yeah, I think we should not go anywhere near that. Maybe he can go back to San no. Francisco. I, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, exactly. Could just, yeah, give go back to the Giants. I'm, I'm sure they'd, they'd love that. Um, you know, if you haven't heard, uh, the Boston Red Sox have been trying desperately to rid themselves of uh, the Kung Fu Panda, and um, it looks like they're about to release him. Or have they actually released him, Patrick? I'm not even. Um, I think they released him, or at least they made their intention that they were going to release him. Um... Okay, so basically, he's available to anybody uh, that wants him. And um, we all know that AJ Preller had a little bit of infatuation with him uh, prior to the 2015 season when he uh, uh, made things exciting around here. But I don't think that. This is anywhere near the same Pablo Sandoval as uh, as the 2014-15 version that uh, we saw. I mean, yeah, he he wasn't. I don't think he was going to be a good contract then anyway. But I don't mm-hmm. think anyone could have anticipated it going this poorly. Um, I think he got what a five-year, ninety-five million dollar deal. Um, wow. They wow. still owe him forty-nine million dollars, <laughs> so they're basically just going to eat forty-nine million dollars, which. It must be wow. nice to eat that much money. Although I guess the yeah. Potters have been eating a lot of money lately, so yeah. that's worth. Um, but yeah, it's it's a bad situation for the team and for the player. Obviously, I mean, you never want to see a player decline that rapidly. But um, I guess he was smart for taking the money. I mean, if you're going to get offered money, you can't really be blamed for taking taking the deal, right? No, yeah, I think we as Padres fans need to be thankful that he did not accept that offer um, because we would have probably been stuck with him and. and uh, if he would have taken that free agent offer, um, the Padres probably would not have signed James Shields, and we wouldn't have Fernando Tatis in our minor league system. So, I, I kind of a Kevin Bacon moment there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, um, I think that's pretty safe to say that the signing of Sandoval was was uh, was was good. The not signing of Sandoval was productive for the Padres in the 2015 season, and they really shouldn't shouldn't uh, mess with him. I mean, at this point. He's a veteran. He's yeah. I, I don't know. I, I really don't. I really don't see any value in him. I, I know 
that uh, some people would rather have have the Padres take a chance on, on someone like him. I mean, he's a switch hitter who's been productive in the playoffs in the past, but at this point, it's about the future and um, preparing this young team for success. And I'm a little wary of his locker room presence and stuff as well. So, yeah, I think it's a hard pass all around. Um, in other news, the White Sox released another former Padre great, uh, Everth Cabrera. Wow. That's way back when, huh? <laughs> he was he was still on the White Sox, huh? I didn't even. Uh, he was in the minor leagues, so he was he was batting uh, 196 in, in the minor leagues. Wow. So yeah, that's wow. not good. Former Padre All Star. That's kind of weird. That he was an All Star, but it's a weird that's, world. Yeah, it's a it's a sad franchise. It's a sad yeah. franchise. <laughs> All right, so we're here Friday. Uh, Padres play tonight. Uh, back at back at it after the All Star break. Uh, we had some roster news uh, broke about what about like 30 40 minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, Jabari Blash has been called up. Hunter Renfro is now on the disabled list. Uh, I guess he had a stiff neck. That's retroactive to, I think it was Monday. So he should be eligible to be back in six days. Who knows if he actually comes back. Um, we also have Kirby Yates going on paternity leave. So Jose Valdez will come up, probably make a few appearances. Um, Yates will be back probably Monday, Tuesday. I think I think the paternity list is only three days. So. Yeah, nothing major. Um, I, I know how we both feel about Jabari Blosh, so we don't really need to get too much into that. But what are your thoughts yeah, on the it, move? No, I mean, it's it's certainly sad to see Renfro miss some time, but uh, I'm sure the team wants him to get up, get it off on the right foot in the second half and, and come back healthy. Um, as far as Blash, I know a lot of the fan base gets excited for his potential and, and you know the name and, and just the, the whole thing surrounding him. But he... At this point, he's nothing more than a, than a fill-in, um, probably nothing more than a 4A player at this point. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't expect to see much from him. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's. We'll see if the if Andy Green gives him the majority of the playing time and right. Um, it'll be interesting uh, to see if Blash is able to make any kind of splash in his what is his third fourth trip up uh, with the Padres. That was a sweet rhyme, by the way. Yeah, he had uh, 70 at bats in 2016. He hit 169, um, struck out 40% of the time. Uh, this year, he's had 29 at bats in the big leagues, struck out 40% of the time. Um, he's striking out 30% of the time in AAA. He is walking 15% of the time. He's hitting he hit 18 home runs so far in 206 at bats. But yeah, I don't I don't get the hype around him. I mean, he's really overrated. I mean, cool. You hit you hit well at uh, AAA as a 28 year old. That's really not saying a lot. I mean. Look at Nick Buss. Yeah. Look at Rafael yeah. Ortega. These are yeah. quad A type players that are excelling as upper twenty, early thirty year olds playing against yes. a bunch of kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a I bunch mean, of exactly. Cast offs, so. you, you you said it. I mean, he's twenty eight years old. There's there's nothing to be excited about. This isn't a twenty two year old prospect with a high ceiling. He's twenty eight, and he is what he is. And and at this point, he's going to be lucky to to be a utility outfielder in the, in the major leagues. I mean, it's, it's the reality of it. And, uh, you know, he's intriguing as far as his power and, uh, the, just, just his whole thing surrounding him. But at, at this point, let's not get too excited over Jabari Blash. And, and let's I mean, just, uh, yeah, we saw last year with Ryan Shimp, a career minor leaguer broke through and made an impact, but that's just not something that happens very often. You don't see a guy who's in the minor leagues for seven or eight years and suddenly figures it out. So, um, yeah, he'll be here for a week. Um, he'll probably strike out a bunch, maybe a home run or two. That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, okay, so let's start. Let's uh, you know we're we're just finishing up the the first half, just getting into the second half. 
let's talk a little bit about the team and, and, and what they did in the first half. And uh, I think the biggest story is probably Will Myers and, and the fact that he's kind of regressed a little bit. Uh, we've seen some signs from him in recent weeks and in the last month that he's going to probably turn the corner. But um, give me some thoughts on, on the team in the first half. Um, I'm actually surprised. They went 38-50. and 50. Um, Really a lot better than I think anyone expected, really. The pitching staff's actually been pretty solid. Um, this was supposed to be the worst pitching staff in Major League history, and they've actually been respectable more often than not. Um, yeah, as a team, I'm surprised that they've won so many games. I mean, they're on pace for over 70 wins right now, and I, I don't think many people thought they were going to win higher, like win more than 60 before the year. And when you see the Giants sitting five games below the Padres, it's kind of surprising, really. I mean, not something you yeah. expected going into the year that you'd see the Giants as the worst team in the division. I mean, there was really no doubt in anyone's mind that the Padres would be the worst team. But, um, yeah, really all around all around, they've been, I guess, overachieving a little bit. I mean, Chassin has been decent. Clayton Richard has been decent. Trevor Cahill has been good when on the, when on the field. Perdomo's had his moments. Um, Lamette's had his moments. Maton? Maton. 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 How do you even say it? I've heard Maton, Maton. and I've heard Maton, so I don't know. It's, it's I've heard, Maton, I've heard like, new things lately, so... Um, then you have Brad Hand, obviously the all-star. Uh, Brandon Maurer has been good in, in stretches. So, yeah, there's there's plenty of guys that have, I think, overachieved, really. There's some guys who maybe you'd want to do a little better. You have Will Myers, who struggled. Um, Renfro and Hedges have been less than inspiring. Margot's been hurt, but good one on the field. Solarte's had his moments here and there. Perella's been a surprise. Um, yeah, so there's plenty of guys that you kind of look at and say, wow, these guys are maybe playing a little better than we thought. and But as a, I think it's more as a team level that this has just been a, a lot better of a team than we would have thought uh, maybe three months ago. Yeah, I mean, there's there is a lot of young players on this team, a lot of rookies, and they're learning to play the game at the major league level. And it's, it's a little frustrating to watch from time to time as a fan, but you have to focus on the fact that they are progressing and, and the fact that this team doesn't look like they're going to be the worst team in the Major League Baseball at this point. Um, I, I know a lot of people are all about the tank, and you know, it, it's tough to it's tough to to watch your team lose night in and night out, going for that number one pick. And you know, ultimately, we all know that that getting a higher draft selection is more beneficial for the team in the long run. But it's still demoralizing watching a young team lose on a daily basis, and it's it's also demoralizing for a young team itself to lose. Um, you don't want these these guys to get comfortable with losing. I mean, uh, Manuel, Margot, uh, Renfro, Hedges, they they just coming off of uh, 2016 PSL, PCL championship. So you want to keep them in that type of mentality of that winning pedigree, if you will. Uh, it, it's tough. It, it really is. I, I'm happy with, with the way this team is going. And, you know, obviously we didn't expect playoffs. We didn't expect a World Series championship in, in this season. But the progression of the team has been exciting. Renfro, Hedges, and Margot have all played well enough to basically stick in the major leagues. Yeah, there's no reason to send them down at this point. And they seem to be a lock to kind of just develop and, and stay at the major league level. And that's what we want to see. We don't want to see these players that are already here at Petco regressing. And for the most part, they're they're all playing well. I mean, look at the three Rule 5 guys we've, we selected. Um, I was really down on Luis Torrens to begin the year and he's he's impressed me he's the Padres made the right move in keeping him he looks like he's going to be a gamer um he's very raw he's going to need some time in the minors after the season but for the future of the team it's a beneficial pick and and you know the kid's been impressive 
Yeah, I think all Rule 5 picks have shown that, I mean, that they're Rule 5 picks, and I think all three yeah. probably need more minor league seasoning before they're going to be major league talents, but mm-hmm. with what they've shown us so far, I think they all could be parts, uh, pieces for the future here, and um, I think that's a that's a good a good win for the Padres that they got those guys for basically nothing. And I mean, yeah. if you obviously they've all had their struggles and they've all I think progressed plenty, and it's good to see them develop. And the same with the rookies, Hedges, Renfro, Margot, they've all had their struggles, they've all had their bright spots, and I think all three are getting the benefit of of playing as major leaguers every day. And as I've said in the past, I think Renfro and Hedges are projects. They might need a little time to, to get accustomed to being big leaguers. Uh, Margot, I think, is more of a ready talent. I think when healthy, he's a guy that can pick it up. Um, he's obviously been hampered by injury, and he hasn't really got the full season under his belt. But I think all three guys are developing, and it's good to see that, even with a team that's not good, uh, not going to be good. But I think it's good to see those guys at least taking steps forward, and it's, it's a positive sign for the future here. Yeah, it's all about progression for this 2017 season, and and we're seeing it. You know, it, it, we don't expect to see miracles. There's going to be moments where this team looks absolutely horrible on the field and, and gives games away, and and just embarrasses you as a fan. But there's going to be moments where they, you know, sweep the World Series champions or, or play the Cleveland Indians tough on the road. There's moments that you need to focus on and and rejoice in for the future of this team, and and you know. It, the future is bright. We keep saying it, but it's—I mean, it's—it's it's true. There's no way to sugarcoat it, I and mean, we're not trying to sugarcoat it. There's so many prospects in this team that are all progressing, and it's—it's it's really amazing. Yeah, it's—it's it's been good to see the development, and I'm looking forward to a second half with with more of that. Yeah, um, definitely. So let's let's move forward. Let's talk now that now that the All Star Game's gone. Now that the first half's through. Um, it's trade deadline time. We have 17 days until the trade deadline's here. Uh, so let's start talking about what pieces could be moving for the Padres and what the return may be. So I think yeah. the top of everyone's list is Brad Hand. Um, he's obviously the big trade chip for the Padres. Um, arguably, he's one of the top ten trade chips maybe in all of baseball in terms of his uh, value as a reliever. We saw the returns for Andrew Miller and Araldis Chapman last year. Um, obviously, Brad Hand isn't a closer. He doesn't have the name recognition or the track, the uh, the pass that those guys have. Um, but... I, I think he's a guy who could be a hot ticket item here in the next two weeks. What are your thoughts on that, James? Yeah, no, it, he's definitely going to be moved. I think that the Padres are set to maximize the value on him and just kind of move on. Um, we've heard reports already that they've talked to the Yankees and the Dodgers um, asking for uh, pretty hefty prospects in return. The latest is uh, Alex Verdugo from the Dodgers, which is their number two prospect, a, a young outfielder in the AAA level who's who looks to be pretty impressive. So Preller has his, his sights high on a return for, for Brad Hand. Um, he has every right to, to, to look and, and demand that type of prospect. And you got to figure as the time come winds down and as other teams begin to approach the, the Padres, um, the asking price is going to be met. You know, once the Dodgers find out, uh, for instance, say that the Diamondbacks or the, or the Rockies are interested in hand, then suddenly the asking price of Alex Verdugo seems pretty reasonable because they're they're trying to add and at the same time trying to detract from uh, their competition. So Preller's going to play it play it smart, and he's going to be probably right down to the to the last minute, and, and you can be assured that he's going to get a. a pretty hefty haul for for Brad Hand and, and uh, you know rightfully so yeah right now I know Preller's shooting for a 
Miller Chapman type package. Um, I don't know if that comes to fruition. That's kind of a high ask, even with yeah. Hand, whose hands under two and a half years of control. So he's got the rest of this year and two more years. So that's about on par to what Miller had at the time of his trade. But he's obviously not Andrew Miller. The track record's not there. He's he's really only been a good pitcher for a year and a half. Uh, Miller was a good pitcher, relief pitcher for several more years. Um, but I think I, I I tend to agree with uh, Keith Keith Law was on Darren Smith's show. Uh, this week, and he he mentioned that a back end hundred type guy, fifty to a hundred top top hundred prospect in baseball, is the kind of guy that you could get for Brad Hand. And if that's the return, I think you you settle for that. And I think that's perfectly fine. I mean, I know uh, Preller's expecting like a, a top fifty prospect and a couple other guys thrown in, but um, I'm just not sure the market's going to bear that this year. I know there's plenty of teams looking for relief help, and there's plenty of teams that have already. Uh, been rumored to be interested in Ham, but I, I think if you can settle for a back, uh, a fifty to one hundred guy, a back t- back half of the hundred, and maybe another throw in, I, I think you take that move that move any day. Um, I would not hold on to Brad Hand. I think that that would be a, a grave mistake. Um, we see what happened with Tyson Ross when they held on to him. Um, yes. Relief pitchers are even more volatile than starters. Um, look at Ryan Buckter. I mean, last year he was solid. Uh, this year he's still been solid, but he's taken a bit of a step back. So if you maybe if you traded him last year, you would have got a higher return than this year. Especially when and once you have one less year of control, there's automatically less value. So I think with Hand, you got to just make the move. He's an all-star. Um, he had a great showing in the game. That's just another notch under his belt. I know that's not really going to move the needle much in terms of a trade, but, I mean, perception's everything. And right now he's pitching like one of the best relievers in baseball and, and he was represented as one of, as one of them in the all-star game so uh the asking price is high but i think someone's gonna meet it or at least get near meeting and i think that they're gonna pull the trigger here in the next two weeks yeah that's pretty safe to say you know the the value on pitchers just it, it comes and goes uh pretty quick so brad hand's never gonna have more value than he has right now i mean it, it, that's the bottom line and aj preller's all about maximizing but profits and and Right hand is going to be pitching for someone else in uh, in 2017. It's, it's it's sad when you think about the fact that he's uh, our lone all star. But you know, again, we need to focus on the future. I know as a, as a Padre fan, it, it's rough to hear this because time after time, year after year, decade after decade, it's just been horrible to witness the the shenanigans that the front office has partaked in. But at this point, it's about the future. They have a plan, and, and they're addressing it. And, you know, a- any player that's dealt, any veteran player that's dealt at this point and can provide young players in return is a benefit for the team. And I have to think that A.J. Preller and his baseball operations teams are all over it. I mean, they've got to be in communication with virtually every team in, in the major leagues right now. Yeah, we're always talking about the future here, and I think this is yet another circumstance where it's all about the future. Um, yeah. They're talking to everyone, and, and I'm sure that a deal is going to get struck. Um, I'm hoping A.J. Preller isn't too high with that asking price. I'm hoping he can budge if the asking price is a little lower than what maybe we expect. Yeah. But yeah. I think the value is there, and, and someone's going to cash in on that. Um, yeah. So let's talk yeah. about a few other bullpen pieces that they have. Uh, Brandon Maurer, Ryan Buchter, even Kirby Yates, another waiver wire claim who's had a great deal of success. I think all three are guys that are going to be shopped. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the Padres trade four relievers outright because that kind of blows up the bullpen. But for a team that's not really competing, I mean, there, there's plenty of guys that they could bring up from AAA and throw them in the bullpen or maybe get some more waiver claims. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that that's really much of a concern, like what what team we're going to have after this. I think it's just cashing in if the value is there. you got to make the deal. 
Yeah. I mean, if if they really want to tank, they can blow up this whole pitching staff and the the, the they might be pretty successful as far as wins and losses if, if they were to remove Hand Bauer, uh, Hand Mauer, Buckter, you know, the three starting pitchers that are under under the one-year contract. It, it could get, go down to that, but you know, at this point I I'd like to talk about the fact that I feel like I don't know. I just have this feeling in my gut that AJ Preller's up to something. I feel like there could be a major trade happening. Um, I wrote a piece today highlighting Christian Yellick, who's available or supposedly available from the Marlins. That is a type of person who is a perfect fit for the Padres, someone who's under team control for the next four years at a reasonable price, uh, a left-handed hitter, uh, someone you can plug in the middle of the lineup and, and really – benefit all this i mean look at the glutton of right-handed hitters we have i know, I know solarte is a lefty and um kind of breaks that up a little bit but when you have renfro hedges margot meyer i mean they're just all right-handed um what would it take to get christian yellick the answer would probably be pretty scary for padre fans the marlins are going to demand a high asking price for him yeah, now, whether that's whether that's a Cal Quantrill or Eric Lauer or something like that, and whether or not the team should explore those options is is another thing. And you know, I, I don't know. Let me, give me your thoughts on that. We, we you and I haven't discussed uh, discussed my my trade piece that I wrote last night. Um, yeah, I would. I think it's fun to speculate on that kind of thing, but yeah, I know I know trade it, it, speculation it, isn't your cup of tea to, per se, but yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not one to usually speculate. I know it's fun, but. It's just mm-hmm. you're gonna be wrong 99 percent of the time. So for me, yeah, it's exactly. not really worth the. I think I'd, I'd rather I'd rather speak in broader terms. Like they could get this type of player rather than this exact player. Um, okay. I'm not even sure that Yelich is really available. I know there's been discussions of that, but mm-hmm. I think the Marlins are more concerned with uh, offloading more short short term options. I don't know if they really want to blow it up, especially with um, the, the sale going through. I mean, they're about to be sold more likely than not in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I'm not sure that kind of blow up is going to happen, at least in the short term. But yeah, I'd love to have Yelich on the on the Padres. Obviously, he's one of my favorite players. But um, yeah, the price might be too high on that. I don't know if you're at the point now where you start uh, blowing up the farm system that you've so yes. painstakingly yes. built. I think you gotta yes. wait it out a year or two and see what parts you have and where you mm-hmm. need to fix things and where you need to upgrade, and then you mm-hmm. start worrying about what you actually have. So what players. Um, are going to be a part of that future and what, what which players aren't. But, I mean, Yelich is under control for, what, five more seasons after this one, and he's at a very affordable rate. That contract is just obscene for the kind of players yes. he's turning into. Yes. Um, so, yeah, the asking price is going to be high. I mean, I, I'm guessing, like, at least at least two top 100 prospects, realistically, or at least, mm-hmm. I guess, two top five in a system. I mean, look at what mm-hmm. Jose Quintana got. Um, yes, I think Yelich's price would be even higher based on the type of player he is now, and he still hasn't reached his ceiling. I mean, look at Quintana, like, you know what you're getting, basically. But with Yelich, mm-hmm. you could be getting even more of a superstar. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure the Potters, they'd probably have to go up like Cal Quantrill and Adrian Morahone or Cal Quantrill and Luis Arias or whatever. But yeah, that's not a move the- that they're in a position to make, I think, at this point. But, yeah, if we start getting to 20, 2019 and the Potters have, like, seven pitchers that – all look like they could be major league starters, and yeah, you can start uh, using that depth and trading. But at this point, you really don't know which of these pitchers are going to work out. So it's a risky business mm-hmm. to start 
picking and choosing and, and blowing it up at this point. But it's it's fun yeah. to speculate. I think those kind of pieces get good traffic, as I know. Um, people like reading about that stuff. It's always fun to to think about what players could be on the Padres in the coming years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you, you're you're right. Uh, you know, there's it's far fetched to believe that Yellow could be a Padre, and uh, I didn't write the piece necessarily as uh, you know this is going to happen. It's it's working. Mm-hmm. It's progressing towards that. But my idea is that. The Padres are looking for talent uh, in the next coming seasons that are under control for for reasonable price. He obviously fits that mold, um, but at the same time, like you say, they don't nec- they don't want to blow up the, the farm system. They've worked so hard to create this farm system. At this point, jeopardizing that and, and giving up players would be would be kind of stupid. But at the same time, they have so much uh, ex- excess of talent. Trading a, a couple of these seventeen-year-old shortstops, if if say the Marlins, for instance, are, are high on them, you know, it, it could be beneficial in the long term. I, I don't necessarily think Christian Yelich is going to be available by the Marlins. They'd be pretty idiotic to make him available. Um, but if a player like that becomes available, and the Padres have an interest, don't be surprised if they don't, you know, kick the tires a little bit. I really do feel like this team might actually buy a little bit in this trade deadline, uh, per se. If they can find a young player that they deem as valuable in the long term for them, they might deal a prospect or two here or there. There's players within the system that are buried. I mean, uh, Nick Torres, for instance, is one who's just absolutely buried. He, he deserves a chance somewhere, and he's not going to be given that chance in, with the Padres. He's in A right now. He probably should be in A, but the team is stacked with with veteran type outfielders at AAA. so you know there's there's other players within the Padres system who've kind of been buried and and would be a good fit so you know I, I just have the feeling that the that this team isn't all about just selling at this point I have a feeling that they're looking towards next season um Peter Seidler's mentioned that they don't necessarily want to go out on the free agent market and just, you know, spend money left and right in the next couple of years. But I think some well-timed trades could be beneficial for the team. Can I just say, how dare you talk about trading my boy, Nick Torres? (laughs) He's one of my favorite. He's like one of my favorite, like non-prospect prospects. Yeah. I mean, we've talked to him numerous times. He's a great guy. I mean, he's, He's just buried. I mean, he, he, he's, yeah. what, 24, 25? I mean, he yeah. he should be given a shot at this point. I mean, he doesn't have excellent power, He but he does everything pretty decent across the board. And, you know, Gettys is coming up on him. You know, it's it's just at the point where he's just not going to be given a shot. And and he was, a, he was a top 30 prospect at one point. I, I, he's obviously not in that regard at this at this stage in his career. But he, he could have some value to a team – somewhere yeah i mean I, I think he's a guy who's a little stuck where he's at in terms of the potter's organization but i don't want to see him go <laughs> yeah no i All hear right. you i hear you let's uh we, we already brought up the minors a little bit so let's let's wrap up our pod today with talking about the first half recap for the minor leagues uh we've had some recent promotions i know you've written, written you've written a couple pieces on players have, that have developed this year players that are stalling uh, we'll get a little into that. But first, let's talk about the promotions. So uh, we had Lauer and Lucchese Luce- both go up. I always want to say Lucchese. Yeah. <laughs> Lauer and Lucchese both went up to AA. Um, now Naylor and Quantrill have quickly followed. Um, what are your thoughts on those promotions? And are these guys that we could see in San Diego next year? Uh, you know, it's 
It, the pitching, I think there's a chance that we could see them. Uh, Lauer and, and Quantrill have both um, progressed f- very well this season. Uh, I, I don't think the team's going to rush Cal Quantrill per se, but Eric Lauer could get a, a, a chance next season to possibly open the, team, open the season with the team if, if he continues to progress the way he is. Uh, that's a big if. You know, pitching in double-A AA and AAA is definitely a lot more difficult than... than the success he found in in the lower levels, but he's he's shown the ability to pitch above above. Uh, I don't want to say over his head, but he has that 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 moxie on the mound that, that just can't be taught. He he looks like he belongs. He's very calm. He's attacks the hitters. You know that type of of pitching and that type of personality bodes well to to success in the long term. And uh, I I don't know. It's tough to say whether or not they'll be here next year, but we are definitely seeing progression. Um, I don't know. It's 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 very difficult to to talk about a prospect and and to kind of put a label on them and what you expect for them to be in, in the next year, in the next twelve months, because. At any time, it can fall apart, unfortunately, and especially with a pitcher, there's there's always the injury risk and and, and things like that. So, but again, well, it's it's great to be a Padre fan right now. The, the progression is happening, and uh, the future is bright. Yeah, I think with Cal Quantrill, especially, you have to be careful. Um, he didn't pitch 2015. He didn't pitch for Stanford in 2016. He threw a total of 35 innings for the Padres last year. He's only thrown 73 innings this year. So if you kind of extrapolate a little bit, he's going to be on an innings limit probably for the next at least another year. So I don't see him going past like 150 innings this year, and then maybe they get yeah. him up to 200 next year. So even at that point, that's still not really a guy you want to stick in a major league rotation and have him pitch a full season. I think they're going to be cautious with him. So I think 2019 is a more likely um, debut for him, at least mm-hmm. in terms of a full season, if he can get a full season under his belt. Um, but yeah, the, the stuff is advanced. Um, he's got talent. He's obviously shown that. Same with Lauer. Lauer's a guy who I very well could. I'm not going to say I will see him opening day next year, but I wouldn't put anything past this guy. He's got yeah. a drive. He wants to be there. Um, I don't know if the Padres w- will start the clock first day of the year, but I, I think he's a guy who very definitely will get innings next year at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, Naylor's obviously a tougher case because he's blocked by Myers. Uh, that remains to be seen how that plays out. Um, Lucchese, I think Lucchese still needs to do to do some things to to get to that level. But he's another guy I think could could be in the big leagues next year. Although I'm not gonna push him as heavily as I would Lauer. I think Lauer's the guy to to fit that. And then you you got guys in the upper minors, Michael Kelly and Kyle Lloyd, two guys who probably will see minor or major league time, if not late this season as September call ups, definitely next year. So there's plenty of pitching coming. Uh, we already saw Lamette, and uh, we've already seen Maton. So it's coming. Yeah, it's coming, and, and and you know this time next year, I God, I, I am so excited to see what this team looks like next, this time next year. Um, they could be slightly under five hundred. They could be in, almost in that competitive mode, and and uh, it's going to be exciting. I you know the the pitching will eventually catch up with the young hitting, and and then shortly after that is another wave of young hitting. So it's 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 exciting. It really is. Yeah, there's there's a lot of lot of good players there. I think one we should talk about, uh, Fernando Tatis. Um, oh God, yeah. Man, he's been just killing it lately. Um, he's been climbing up my boards. I, as I as most of you know, I keep stats. Try to do it every day for both major league and minor league. Uh, Tatis is currently on the top of my leaderboard for the top thirty Padre prospects. 
Got a 144 WRC plus, a 229 ISO. Um, he's not hitting many ground balls. He's striking out a little too much, but the walk rate's high enough to the point where you, you can deal with the strikeouts. Um, yeah, the, the main thing he needs to work on is, is the glove in the field. He's got such a great glove, but he's, he's made quite a few errors this year. He's just kind of working out little mechanical things. Um, at the plate, it's mainly the strikeouts, but he's hitting for power. He's getting base hits. He's getting extra base hits. Um, he's really just doing it all. He's showing his speed on the base paths uh, in recent yeah. in recent weeks. This guy is a talent. I know there's been a lot of conversation in the last few months about, like, well, the Padres have all this pitching, right? But where is that impact prospect talent um, in the field? I know you got the couple guys that came up this year in Renfro, Margot, and Hedges, but, like, who's going to be that guy? And I know we, we want – Luis Arias to be that guy, but he's kind of taken a little step back in recent weeks. So maybe Tatis is that superstar level um, position player, a la Corey Seager, Francisco Lindor, that kind of that kind of player. And at this point, with everything he's done as an 18-year-old in full season ball, he's he's proving that. So there's obviously still three or four years to go before he's a big leaguer. Um, but I think the early signs are are great, and we have a lot to be looking forward to here. Yeah, no, we definitely do. I mean. Between Tatis and uh, Baez, it, the prospects have just been on fire over the past couple of weeks, and both those names have have climbed the list. I mean, Baez uh, worked his way up into I think he's twenty third on on the MLB uh, top thirty list for the Padres. I mean, he he, uh, he vaulted past about seven guys uh, in in in, uh, in the past week, and that kid's twenty years old, and and he is pretty damn impressive i i would uh, have to yeah <laughs> i would have to imagine we're going to see him in lake elsinore at, at some time in, in the next couple of weeks um if he continues to do <laughs> well i mean he's dominating in, in fort wayne already so he's thrown, he, yeah it, thrown 16 innings he struck out 42 percent of batters he's got a 34 percent swinging strike rate just obscene yeah yeah no it, it, it's 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 pretty fun it, it really is i mean and i didn't even know his name wasn't michael I think he pronounces it Michael, but he yeah. spells it without. Well, I kept spelling it like Michael, but then it's like Mikel or Michelle. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's pronounced Michael though. I'm fairly yeah. certain. But yes, yeah, so I've been uh, writing it as Michael this whole time, and I'm like, oops, <laughs> whoops. I figured it out that it was not Michael or not spelled Michael, and then I I still was autocorrecting it to Michael whenever I tweeted it, and I was like, oops. <laughs> so whatever, I'll just call him Bias from now on. Yeah, <laughs> honest mistake. He, he is making a name for himself, and and people are definitely. Uh, definitely turning their heads i mean it's uh it's impressive i mean this is a a young man who was signed for three million dollars in this past uh international signing period and honestly he wasn't he, even a he wasn't even considered one of the top 50 international prospects when yeah. he signed i mean he was like yeah. a diamond in the rough no one knew about him um yeah. when he signed not even like ben badler who's like the guru of international prospects he he didn't even have much to say on him so that just shows yeah. you that aj preller knows what he's doing and for people that want to criticize him in certain scenarios this is what he's known for and i think with baez and even with tatis a guy who they basically got for james shields so um yeah you just got to think he knows what he's doing he's getting these players really diamonds in the rough out of nowhere and other teams are missing these guys so yeah i think we should be very encouraged by the development of a couple of these guys and then that's not even to mention the the plethora of 17 and 18 year olds that you have just getting yeah. into rookie ball right now, so I know. I mean, look at like Jordy Barty tearing it up in. in yeah, he in, suddenly uh, came to he, life. He was like doing he, terribly, and now he's on top of everything. And yeah, it's Luis seventeen-year-old kid. Good. Mason House has been good. Marcus Green, who they got yeah. um, from Texas, has kind of a throw-in. He's been doing well this year. Sure. Um, Luis Asuncion, who was signed, I think, two or three years back. Um, 
you have a couple of the kids struggling. Gabriel Arias, Justin Lopez kind of have off to slow starts a bit. But there's just so much talent there that you don't really need to hit on all these guys to, to really have success. Um, it's just it's fun to watch so many good guys. And, and you have Adrian Morajon in Tri-City. And we don't even talk about Osvaldo Hernandez and Henry Henry. Yeah, we talked exactly. about Henry Henry for the name. But both those guys have been just amazing as well in their first uh three or three or four starts this year so mm-hmm. yeah the, so it, much, the names are i, I the can names hardly are, keep track man i keep track of like and, and on a daily basis. Pa- partially like, oh. that this partially this is why i believe that the team might be a little bit of a seller if if the opportunity arises because they have so much talent that in dealing two or three players here or there you know it, it, it might seem like you know the sky is falling and this and that but there's plenty of depth in the system where if if the right package comes along and, and they're able to get a major league quality player and, and an all-star at that, then they'll make a move or two if, if they have to and, and let go of some of these prospects because the bottom line is these guys are prospects. Fernando Tatis, Mike, Michael Baez, they're prospects. Sure, they look fantastic now and they look like they're going to be great, but we really don't know. So, if you have the opportunity to deal a couple of unknowns for someone who is a progressed major leaguer, then then you're going to do it. And uh, don't be surprised if you hear the team rumored with, you know, a couple of young players out there here and there that are available in, in the next couple of weeks. So I, I just uh, I really do sense that from the from the team. Yeah, the attrition rate with prospects is just so high that you have to be cautious of labeling all these guys as super as like superstars and future stars i mean you got to be careful with with those kind of labels so obviously all this progress is great but we have to take it with a grain of salt and just take it day by day and not get too excited just yet but the the key here is that if you if you have 30 good prospects and you hit on five then that's a solid return on on a yearly basis if you can hit on five guys every couple years and that's how you build the team i mean look at the chicago cubs they didn't hit on every guy but they hit on enough guys same with the houston astros um that's how you build teams you got to hit on some guys and you're going to miss on some you're going to take whiffs that's totally fine you look at javier guerra that's looking like a big whiff at this point but (laughs) With He's picked the, it up over the past couple of weeks. It's pretty, you know. Let's talk about Gary a little bit. Um, I, I know a lot of fans are are uh, are wanting Tatis in Lake Elsinore, but I think a lot of that has to do with Gary's pr- production and whether or not he's able to make the next jump. Because I think the Padres want Tatis to stay at short, and they want Gary to stay at short. So they obviously both can't play at Lake Elsinore. So I think a lot of that has to do a lot. Tatis' progression to Lake Elsinore has a lot to do with how well Javier Guerra is able to finish off the end of this year. I, you know, I, I wouldn't count on Tatis and Lake Elsinore um, anytime soon, but I, 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 that's something to definitely keep an eye on. Yeah, I think, to me, Tatis is the guy who's probably going to stay at Fort Wayne the entirety yeah. of the season simply because exactly. he's young. And, yeah, not that Guerra is really keeping him there, but that, that's another consideration to have in mind. Um, no, but I mean, say if Guerra, if both of them stay where they are now, where do you start next season? If Guerra's not able to show that he's able for double A pitching, are you gonna? I think Guerra's. Are you gonna throw, Guerra's ex- throw him? I think Guerra's expendable at that point. Okay. Okay. That's not not in terms of releasing him, but in terms no, of no, no, if but, you need to demote him to Fort different... Wayne, if you need to stick him on the bench. Um, okay. I think he's not going to be one to block Tatis when Tatis yeah, has no. shown such a level of talent. Um, exactly. You're not going to let that hinder anything, but that's another discussion for obviously another day, another year. Yeah. <laughs> um, another, yeah. Right, any other guys you want to touch on? I know there's so many guys to touch on. You, you've written your no. two pieces, your progressing guys, your guys that aren't progressing. Any other guys you want to touch on that 
uh, are you progressing know, or maybe the guys you missed that you want to talk about? As far as progressing, they, they've, they've all definitely worth noting. I think Brad Wick is someone that we should keep an eye on who uh, once Brad Hand is dealt, we will probably see Brad, Rick, Brad Wick in, uh, in the major leagues. Um, big, tall, left-handed pitcher. He's, he's hitting, big. <laughs> yeah, he's hitting the mid nineties right now. Um, he's been very kind to the site, been very kind to to me and myself. Um, you know, it, it's it's nice. He's twenty five. He's he's basically already ready to go and just hasn't had an opportunity yet. So once a hand or a buckter is is, is dealt, the the Padres have people to to replace him in a wick, and even uh, uh, Kyle McGrath, uh, funky left hander, uh, I believe he's in Double A as well are in double a right now but he's another name to to look at as a possible replacement down the line for for the for the uh, bullpen as far as left enders yeah there's options there i mean if you want to blow up the bullpen as i said earlier there's there's guys to fill the role i mean you can you can build a bullpen and with with the rebuilding club maybe this is for the best maybe we we can tank better if you have these younger guys learning at the big league level i think that's totally fine at this point um with how the potters have overachieved in the second half or the first half they needed a they need to pick up the tank here in the second half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For for you uh, tank tank uh, people out there, they're they're not looking good for that number one pick at this yeah, the, point. Aren't they but... like ten games ahead of the Phillies or something? The Phillies are yeah. awful. The God, Phillies they just they they. I didn't think they would suck just, that much, but they suck. Their tank game is strong. I, I don't know what to tell you. They, even they the just... Giants are their tank game is strong. They're not even trying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I, Bumgarner's I, coming back eventually, and he'll help them out. So I'm more worried yeah, about the Phillies it, being horrendous yeah at this point i wouldn't count on the number one pick for the team but you know if if we're able to secure a top five selection next year it's still going to be yeah. beneficial top for the five long, is solid i mean yeah there's going to be enough talent at the top there where it's kind of like this year you didn't get hunter green but hey you got Mackenzie gore that's a pretty good consolation exactly um, and, and you never know i mean the number one how many times is a i mean i hate to bring up the mike trout 23rd selection uh that everyone judge. likes let's talk aaron judge He's yeah like, what, exactly. 32nd there's, Every single there's, team pretty much passed on Aaron Judge. So yep, yep. There's always there's always talent out there to be uh, had, and it, you know the number one selection doesn't guarantee that uh, you're going to get the best player. I mean, uh, Bryce Harper and Steven Strasburg, those type of years are few and far between. There hasn't been a, a consensus number one pick in 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 quite a few uh, years. So um, I mean, look at Hunter Green. He was hyped more than anyone in in the world, and, and still didn't. Uh, go number one so beauty is in the eye of the beholder that is for sure when it comes to prospects that is definitely true i mean look at mike piazza he was drafted pretty much last and he became a hall yeah of out of a so. favor a favor to tommy lasorda turns out to be a hall of famer so you know that's a good pick <laughs> the, the the game of baseball is beautiful i mean and, the potters uh, picked know. johnny menzel so let's not get into that <laughs> oh man you had to ruin the podcast with that yep we should we're gonna start talking now. about the chargers next let's start talking about the chargers wait like my, like <laughs> the thing I used for my phone to like charge the battery. Yeah, like that's that about the charger? only charger. No, unfortunately, there's still another Is charger there? that I'm. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. I have, I have no uh, recollection of this. After happened. 40 years, it's hard to to get them completely out of my mind. But yes, uh, this All podcast right. is def- now taking a turn for the worst. I think it's time to to it's get to some rapid fire questions. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's let's get into that. Any uh, what second half storylines are you looking forward to? Give me one or two big ones that you think are gonna dominate uh, uh, Padres second half. Second half storylines. Let's uh, let's move into rookie of the year talk. I, I'd love to see Hunter Renfro and Mark, Manuel Margot um, get into that talk. Uh, both are very capable of uh, landing the, the the National League Rookie of the Year award. 
and uh, I'd be interested to see how uh, how they perform uh, at the second half of this year. I know um, both have played uh, full major league seasons, and they shouldn't wear down necessarily, but um, the pressures of, of playing at a major league season can kind of wear on a, on a rookie, and I'm interested to see how they uh, how they end this year. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, Cody Bellinger pretty much has that award on lock right now, but yeah, yeah, you never no, know what's going to happen in the second half of the year. So definitely no, but it's still nice to hear them in, in the talks. Um, I think Bellinger is, is a lock uh, at this point, and so is Judge. But uh, let's talk about September call-ups. I know we briefly discussed it. Um, give me your uh, – couple players that you think will probably be called up this September? Uh, let's see. Probably off the top of my head, I think Michael Kelly is an obvious choice. Um, he just made the jump to AAA. Mm-hmm. I think he's 24 now. So he's, he's a guy who's pretty much ready to be a Major League Baseball player. I mean, he's got to have some AAA innings first. But I think he'll definitely get a taste of the big leagues here um, in September. Um, outside of him, there's a couple guys in, in like maybe – uh, Jose Rondon's a guy who can make a return. Franchi Cordero will probably make a return. Um, Chase Darno and Ryan Schimp are both sitting in the minor leagues. I, I can't see both them staying there the rest of the year, although those, those are more like late-season call-ups and September call-ups, but mm-hmm. that's a possibility. Maybe Christian Betancourt comes back. I don't know. <laughs> that's more of a stretch. But, uh, yeah, there's there's some guys there. I mean, there's not a lot of like top prospect talent in, in AAA, no, but no. maybe Rocky Gale can there's come some up veteran and get players. some catching. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's I mean, some guys there's a, there. Vill- there's a Villanueva and Ortega yeah, veteran Nick, type Nick players. Yeah, is just tearing it up yeah. in AAA, the only all-star representative for the Chihuahuas. Um, he's a guy who can see some time. But, yeah, those are guys those are veteran big leaguers. Uh, well, I guess Christian Villanueva had a little taste. Of, I think he actually had a taste of the major leagues. But, yeah, he's a guy maybe they could bring up after they trade uh, Spangenberg or if they trade Solarte or whoever else. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's some guys there. Not not as not nearly as exciting as last year when you had Renfro, Margot, and Hedges. But, no, and Aswahe. No. But there's some talent. Definitely. All right, so I wanted to ask you if there's any maybe minor league storylines that you're watching, any players that you're keeping a close eye on uh, in the second half. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's all about the progression at this point. Uh, obviously, I'm going to keep a close eye on, on Quattro uh, with his pitch count and all. I, I'd really like to see the Padres kind of limit his innings, um, per se. I, I don't necessarily want to see him throw 120, 130, 140 innings if if, if need be. Um, I'm interested in, in watching Logan Allen in, in Lake Elsinore. Uh, to see him progress, uh, I'm interested in watching Jacob Nixon, Lake Elsinore. Uh, both of those two feed off each other. They're very good friends, and they have a relationship that's pretty close to, to what Quantrill and Lauer have um, as far as motivating each other. So it's interesting to see that righty-lefty combination um, progress. I'm very interested in seeing uh, the AZL team uh, and the DSL team uh, progress. Uh, Allison Quintero, a young catcher in the DSL, has been tearing it up. Um, I'm wondering if the team will eventually get him over to the AZL league to have him uh, get some at-bats there. You know, there's so much progression in this minor league system that it's kind of hard to keep an eye on everyone. But um, there's definitely a lot to watch. Yeah, as I said earlier, I got like at least 50 guys I keep an eye on on a daily basis. So it's yeah. a little overwhelming, but it's a good problem to have for sure. For sure. All right, my last rapid-fire question for you will be, do you expect to see a home run from Jabari Blash in his call-up this uh, this uh, time around? Oh, man, you're putting me on a spot here. This was not in the script. 
Um, <laughs> let's see. If he's here for, what, six days, most likely, he, if Rampart yeah. actually comes back on time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll give him one home run. Okay, that's fair enough. I, I, I see him maybe taking like a Matt Moore deep or something this weekend. Maybe, I, I don't know. Ooh, good prediction there. Let's see if that happens. Is Matt Moore pitching yeah, I, this weekend? No, I didn't even know. I just <laughs> just thinking of a left-handed pitch for the Giants. Well, if he is, then you can uh, write home about it. This is going to yeah, be. Yeah, uh, you heard it here first. Yeah, prediction here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think we are about done. I think uh, we covered everything that we wanted to cover. We did. We have had issues with guests over the last uh, week or so. Um, Quite honestly, I'll tell you straight up, we were going to have Lenny Dykstra on the show today. Uh, he's kind of been, <laughs> in the past couple of days, kind of been an honorary Padre guest, if you will, uh, being that he's kind of critiqued ownership for the not bringing back the Brown. I, I know that's typically something we don't cover. We don't necessarily want to talk about jersey color. We'd rather talk about production on the field. But uh, I had an opportunity to talk to Lenny Dykstra, and uh, I thought it would be interesting to have him on. Uh, unfortunately, that fell through. Um, you know, hopefully in the next, uh, next week, maybe we'll get him on just to, to hear him, his, uh, his thoughts on, on the, on the Brown versus blue, uh, Jersey topic. Cause you know, we never get enough, uh, enough information on that. Right, Patrick? Yeah. You can never hear enough about Brown jerseys. <laughs> I for one love it. Yeah. Um, so stay with us folks. Uh, we will, should be back on track with a more regimented schedule in the next, uh, week or so. Uh, it's been a little bit of hectic, uh, time for us, but, uh, Thank you so much for for joining us on episode 49, um, sponsored by Original Grain Watches. Patrick, you want to take us out? Yes, I will. Uh, We are hosted on Podbean. Uh, We're available on Apple Podcasts. We're East Village Times Podcast, if you're looking up the name. Uh, I'm on Twitter, PatrickBrew93. James is EVT underscore news for the site, and EVT underscore Jay Clark for his own personal. Uh, Our podcast has its own uh, Twitter as well, EVT Podcast. Um, yeah, give us a give us a review on Apple. Tweet at us. Let us know what you think. Uh, all feedback is always welcome. We always like criticism as long as it's constructive. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're looking forward to doing more shows. Uh, next is the Big Five O. It's amazing we've done 50 of these, but that'll be next week. Hopefully we're going to do something special for that. Uh, stay tuned. All right, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. Episode 49 is in the can. East Village Times podcast. Signing out. The East Village Times podcast is sponsored by Original Grain Watches, a local company out of San Diego, formed in 2013. Check them out at originalgrain.com. EBT is out here broadcasting. broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT podcast. Padres EBT podcast.